Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When you make a confession for Christ... When you say, Lord, I repent of my sin, forgive me, and come into my life, at that moment, you are born again. You are saved. If you understand that, say amen. You are born again. You are a Christian, and don't add anything to salvation. I'm traveling home on Tuesday, coming from a conference. I'm flying out of Philadelphia get on a flight and sit next to, uh, I'm in the middle seat, which I hate the middle seat. But thank God I wasn't in the middle, in the middle seat between two really big guys, which has happened to me before. And I'm sitting in, the, I sit down and you know, speak to the person on the left, speak to the person on the right. And, you know, I got to talking with this one gentleman. They take off and everything's good. And we got to talking and, 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 and I, I don't know how we started talking about the, the Bible and about Jesus. I have no I know how that came up. And so, you know, we're, we're talking about some things. And, and this guy, he was a lovely old guy. Beautiful. I mean, he was just a nice guy, gentle guy. So we got to talking and he asked me, he said, so what do you think about, you know, the Bible says this. And, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you need to confess Christ as your Lord and your Savior and be baptized. And that's what makes you saved. He said, confess Christ and be baptized, and that's what makes you saved. I said, was that what you believe? Is that what your your, your church teaches? Yes, you need to be, you need to confess Christ and be baptized. I said to him, I said, well, you know, I don't really understand the Bible to be saying that. I think, you know, know, I've read the Bible a little bit, and I... um, And I said, you know, I I think the Bible says something more like, you know, that we need to receive Christ when we confess him as our Lord and Savior. At that time, we are born again. And then we should go on as a commandment from Jesus, not a suggestion, a commandment from Jesus to go and be baptized. But, sir, what was your name again? And okay, but, you know, if if a person receives Christ and and they don't have an opportunity to be baptized, then I believe that they are truly saved and and that they are born again and that they they and he's looking at me and he's going he says so 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 what what do you do for a living? I said, "Well, um I teach." He says, "Teach what?" I said, "The Bible." He goes, "That explains it." You know. And we're talking back and forth. And of course, you know, I'm on an airplane and I got a captive audience. So I'm trying to talk loud, you know, I'm like, and you need to receive Jesus. He died. His blood was shed for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world 
And the people on my left are looking crazy. And the lady sitting next to me, she's like, please get me off this plane. Jesus freaks to my right. And she, you know, she, and we're talking and whatever. But I try to help him understand that, listen, you can't add anything to salvation. Somebody say amen. You can't add anything to salvation. No good works, nothing. Not baptism, nothing. I said to the gentleman, I said, take the thief on the cross, for example. The man is hanging there on the cross. He looks over at Jesus. Jesus is different than any guy he's ever seen hanging on the cross because he's up there hanging, asking God to forgive folks who put him up there. And what a witness and what a testimony it was for him as he's hanging there. He looks over at Jesus and he believes and he says, Jesus, he says, when you get to paradise, he said, remember me. Remember the thief on the cross? Y'all shake your heads. Yeah, you remember him? He said, Jesus, remember me when you get to paradise. And Jesus said to him, what? Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus did not say, I explained to the man. Jesus did not say, hey, get down from the cross, go get baptized, and then get back up here and you're saved. I said, so what do you do with that, that text there, sir? What do you do with that text there? He says, well, um... Well, um, I don't know. All I know is you got to be saved, too. And then he stopped talking. I said, you know, we can't add anything. When you become a believer, at the moment that you become a believer, you are filled with his spirit and you're a disciple. You are a believer. So it appears in our text that, that we're talking about now these disciples. It appears, because this is why I had you underline it. Look at verse 19 again. Let me look at it again. And finding some disciples. It appears that we're talking about disciples who were believers, but something was missing. Or something, watch this, was lacking in their Christian experience. Because they were disciples. And Paul then asked them, have you received the spirit? Now, saints, I believe, give me your attention. I believe we are talking about the all important, all controversial topic of being baptized in the spirit, the baptism of the spirit. You know, people, it's controversial. People don't even like to talk about it anymore nowadays because it's so controversial. And people are all over the place as it relates to this particular topic of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are some people who say there is no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people say every person is equally and immediately empowered by the Spirit when you become a Christian and there's no more. And then some people say, well, you know, forget all that Bible stuff. Let's just flow in the Spirit. And some people say, don't worry about it. Well, let's just stick to the word. Let's not worry about it. Let's stick to the word. Well, that's the position I agree with. Let's not worry about it. Let's stick to the word. And the word, listen, has a lot to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it's John who said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, John says, is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with what saints? The Holy Spirit and fire. Also, you might want to look at Luke chapter 3, verse 16. On another occasion, John the Baptist said, I do not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And don't you remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, but you shall receive power, dunamos, dynamite, TNT, power, 
after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus talked about this experience, about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then as you search through history and you search through, through time, you see some of the greatest theologians of all time talked about a subsequent, are you listening, talked about a subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit. In 1881, a famous evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody said this, a man may be regenerated by the Holy Spirit and still not be baptized by the Holy Spirit. At regeneration, there's an impartation of life and the one who receives it is saved. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's an impartation of power and the one who receives it is fitted for service. In 1910, R.A. Torrey said this, it is evident that it is one thing to be born again by the Holy Spirit through the word. It is something quite distinct and additional to it to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. A book. Don't think we have more in the bookstore now. Probably sold out the first and second service. But a book. They found the secret. Oh, you might want to write that down. Pick it up. It's a good read. It's an easy read. And it's a book about men who have had this subsequent experience. A.W. Tozer, Hudson Taylor, Oswald Chambers, for example. All of these men, each one of these guys talks about after years of Christian ministry, they have had a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit that adds a whole different dimension and dynamic to their ministry. You might want to pick up that book. We see examples from the Bible where the Holy Spirit came after conversion. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, you remember the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, as Jesus had already breathed on them. Don't you remember from the Gospels? Listen. In the Gospels, Jesus, the Bible says, breathed on them and they received the spirit. After Jesus breathed on them and they received the spirit, then Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait, tarry, until you receive power from on high. They received the spirit. Are you listening? Say amen if you hear me. They received the spirit. And then Jesus said, now go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, verse 15 through 17. Peter's talking about what happened at Cornelius' house. And Peter said, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord. He said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, believers in Samaria, they are baptized and miracles are happening. But it isn't until the apostles come from Jerusalem and lay hands on them that they receive the filling of the spirit. Acts chapter nine. You know the story as Paul on the road to Damascus. He's headed toward Damascus to kill Christians. And remember, he saw a bright light. He fell to the earth and he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you trying to persecute me? He said, Saul, you, God said, Saul, it's, it's hard for thee. To kick against the pricks. And then God told a man by the name of Ananias, you remember to go and pray for Paul, that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Spirit. Listen, Paul's conversion happened on the road to Damascus. And then God told Ananias to go pray for him, lay hands on him, that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Over and over and over in the scriptures, we discover that believers are saved at one point, and then at another point, there is a filling, there is an empowering, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. Now, you remember, listen to me close, I'm trying to move a little quicker. We did a CD teaching series on keeping the balance. You can pick it up in the bookstore, shameless plug. You can pick it up in the bookstore. And we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, in one topic, we dedicated to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you were here now, and if you weren't, I want you to take notes here because this is very, very important. If you were here, I talked to you and gave you the three different relationships that the Holy Spirit has with the believers. And particularly, I gave you three prepositions that are relative to the relationship of the Holy Spirit to the believer. Number one, para, we talked about that. If you're taking notes, P-A-R-A, para. And it means that the Holy Spirit comes alongside in the vicinity of and convicts you of your sin. Did you know? You can't even become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit's involved. Did you know? That's not you. You know, you don't decide that you want to get saved. Don't you know when you become a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit that comes in the vicinity of or alongside of you and says, hey, you need to get saved. Hey, you need to be born again. Hey, you need Jesus. You need to repent because you're a sinner. And you need the Lord. God's got stuff for you. And you go, yeah, I do need it. Your spirit, yeah, I do need it. Yeah, I want to cry out to Jesus. And I want to be saved. Para, the spirit comes alongside in the vicinity of and convicts you of your sin. It's at that point when you say, yes, I do need Jesus. Now we come to the second Greek preposition, N, E-N. We have the word in. Jesus said the spirit will be with you and shall be in you. With you meaning coming alongside. In you meaning when you receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Lord, help me. I only got nine minutes. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, he now comes to live in you. And now you are the temple of the living God. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's wonderful. But then now this third Greek preposition, epi, E-P-I, or epi. And that is when the spirit now comes upon you and you receive power. The spirit comes upon you. We know as we study the scriptures, the spirit came upon Moses. The spirit came upon David. The spirit came upon Gideon and Jeremiah. And the spirit came upon Isaiah. The spirit came upon Samson. And when the spirit came upon Ezekiel, he had a vision. And when the spirit comes upon you, God's going to empower you. For service, the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing is in the church today, saints, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, people don't want to hear a lot about the Holy Spirit because largely because people don't understand it because people don't study the Bible. Bible students say amen. Amen. They don't study scriptures. So you start talking about the Holy Spirit and people think it's weird because all they've seen is like weird stuff. You know, when people think if I give my life to God and be filled with the Spirit and be baptized in the Spirit, he's going to make me do something weird. That's the truth. And folks are doing weird stuff in the name of Jesus. I heard of a church, I told you about it before, is that they have carpet time. Carpet time, I kid you not, carpet time. Perplexed, and so was I. 
carpet time. They would have like a remnant of carpet. I kid you not, I'm not making this up. They would have a remnant of carpet to the side of the room. And, 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 the, and the pastor, you know, he said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's carpet time. And the people would get up and run and get on the carpet remnant and start laughing in the spirit. Holy laughter. People in the name of the spirit nowadays are clucking like chickens. They're barking like dogs. I kid all in the name of the spirit. And so when people see that, if I wasn't a Christian and I'm looking at that kind of stuff, I'd be thinking, look, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. Because that's the truth. Because it's weird. Listen, the spirit of God among his people should not feel weird. It should feel right because God's spirit dwelling in the hearts of his people is a very right thing. Amen, saints? God's spirit among his people. You see, God's not looking for people who want to cluck and bark. God's looking for inspiration, not perspiration. You got it? He's looking for inspiration. God wants to inspire people by his spirit. Lord, help me move on. Look at verse six. So Paul says, did you receive the spirit since or when you believe? Look at verse six. And when they heard what Paul said, they were baptized in the name of Jesus and they laid hands on them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied and 12 people responded. Notice in verse eight, saints, and he went into the synagogues and spoke. He, Paul, went in the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. Man, you guys think I preach long. How would you like to go to church in May and come out in August? You understand? I don't, look, y'all. Man, it's three straight months, man. That guy was, he's a preaching machine. Just kidding. For three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way. Listen, that's another term for Christians, because remember, you know, it's a derogatory term. Remember when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Well, they started looking at Christians like you guys are of the way, you just the way It's derogatory. So they spoke evil of the way. They got that name for Christians because of Jesus. Before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples reasoning and da daily in the school of Tyrannius. And this continued for two years, Paul did, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now in verse 11, God worked, circle this please, unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseased left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Saints, notice, give me your attention. I had you underline the word, circle, highlight, whatever, the word unusual because unusual miracles literally means very extraordinary. Very extraordinary or miracles not of the ordinary kind. The thing you want to note is that God worked these miracles and not Paul. Amen, saints? God did that. These miracles were special because Paul would take off the sweatbands and put them down. You know, Paul making tents, he sweats. And he put them down, he put down his apron and he would go to the school of Tyrannus and he would teach. And when Paul came back from teaching, his sweatbands were gone and people were delivered from demons and healed of the sick. Now, quickly, briefly, 
There are people who start whole ministries based on verse 11 and 12. And they will tell you that if you send them $59.99, they will send you a piece of sweaty cloth. And as a point of faith and contact, if you touch this cloth, you'll be healed. This is crazy. I was like, look, why don't y'all send me $60? I'll go work out in cardio at the gym and come back and cut my shirt up and send you a piece of my cloth. How's that? This is nuts. It's unusual miracles. It's not of the ordinary kind. Now, verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, notice this, guys, took it upon themselves to call the, call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you. Are you looking at verse 13? We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest who did this. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Look, I'm just trying to help you all. Okay. If you are talking with someone and an evil spirit begins to talk, um, be afraid, be very afraid. And you can imagine this evil spirit is talking in the evil voice. He's like, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? I'd be like, "Um, I'm out. Um, I'm nobody, really, and nobody. I mean, really, no, 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 really, I'm out. I'm out. That's what you can call me out. And, and, and notice he's here. Notice he's here. So, so he says, Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man, notice in verse 16, in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Is that a scene? And this became known. Look, it was all over the papers, headline news. It became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks. Man, they pick up the morning paper. Did y'all read that story? Man, a demon jumped off of them guys and sent them out running in their underwear. Headline news. The Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. And also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of these evil books and it took and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver or in today's dollar, about $1 million. And so in verse 20, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Saints, before you close your Bibles, you want to notice here these guys are playing around with demons. You know what this should tell you a couple of things. Number one, don't be messing around with demons, okay? Don't do that. Christians get the demon chasing and demon hunting, and I don't, I don't recommend that. I think that's very, very dangerous. And two, listen, this speaks to me about transformation. When these guys believed, remember Ephesus was not only a, a, a religious center, but it was also a very superstitious and evil city, a city that practiced evil occultic practices, Ouija boards and superstition and, 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 and enchantments and, and, and uh, uh, what do you call the, the, the little metals and amulets. Thank you, Lord. Amulets and all kinds of weird stuff this city was into. And, and, and so it was not only a religious center, but a very evil place. 
But when Paul came in and preached the gospel and many believed, you want to notice talking about transformation, when they believed, they got rid of all of their evil stuff. Christian, listen, when you become a Christian, there needs to be a change in your life. Amen. There needs to be a change, a metamorphosis, a change in your life. And, and when you become a Christian, you know, you got to get rid of some of your old stuff. You got to get rid of that stuff. You got to, you know, what you do in your B.C. days, I call it the before Christ and my B.C. days before I became a Christian. Well, all that's one thing. But when I became a Christian, you got to get rid of your old stuff. And what's your old stuff? I don't know. Fill in the blank. You tell me what's your old stuff. But whatever your old stuff is, you got to get rid of the old stuff. And, when, you know, when you get rid of the old stuff, listen, you notice what they did. They burned their old stuff. They didn't give their old stuff to their friend. It's two stories. Somebody told me that. One guy said, oh, I got all this evil stuff in my life, and I'm just getting rid of it all, Pastor Ryan. I'm going to give it to my friend. I was like, nice friend. I mean, you don't give it to your friend. You burn it. You destroy it. You get rid of it. Because now you're a Christian, and Christians have no business calling Sister Chloe on the psychic hotline. And whoever else these people are, you want to know something? You call on Jesus. You want to know something? You ask God. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. We've talked about it. And the Holy Spirit within you will lead you, teach you, and guide you in all truth that you need to know. Don't get involved in that stuff, Christian. Stay away from it. Why? Because you're a Christian. We are of that way. They call it a it's derogatory. I say it's an honor to be numbered in the way because I'm a believer and I follow the way because Jesus really is the only way, contrary to popular opinion. Jesus is the only way. Somebody say amen. Lord help. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.